All right. Good evening, everyone. It is the top of the hour. We are going to be live. We will be going live momentarily. Welcome to the 21st Century Work slash Sabbat Balance with Rabinit Leia Sarma and Rabinit Sarah Wilkinsell. It's a pleasure to have everyone back. Um, you are, everyone is welcome to turn on your cameras. Um, all I ask is that you mute yourself if you're not talking to avoid cross chatter. Um, it's a pleasure to have both Ravneet Sarah and, and Ravneet Leia back as a teaching as a teaching duo, and it's a pleasure to have everyone back. It's good to see a lot of names from first class. Um, I believe there was some. Uh, was there some uh, homework? There was some homework. So welcome back, everybody, um, and I hope that you will introduce yourselves in the chat if you didn't last week, but um, especially if you were here last week. But even if you weren't. Um, you can put into the chat, what did you read or what did you not read this past Shabbat? Um, our last class was about reading material on Shabbat um, and what is or isn't appropriate slash halakhically permissible. Um, so Rabbi Sarn and I did this homework in advance. We discussed um, before this class started what we read. Um, so, um, but, but we wanna hear from you all. So please put that in the chat. Um, and just a word of our usual Zoom housekeeping. We're going to uh, ask that everyone stay on mute for now, as Kayla said, but please, please, please feel free to chat your questions, ideas, opinions, and what you read this past Shabbat. Um, put all of that in the chat. Um, and we will be pausing for actual out loud questions as well as pausing to read the chat. So definitely feel free to keep all those coming, but also know that we we will have built-in stopping points so that we can take your questions. Um, I started a new book this Shabbat in Shul. Um, I, I'm only like 20 pages in, so I'm gonna wait before I like highly recommend it. Um, it is in Hebrew, it is a work of Torah, although it's not like, a, like an entirely halachic work. Um, so I was pretty interested about that. Um, later on, I'll let Irvine Sarna share what she read, or you can share in the chat if you want to. Um, and again, I hope you guys will all share. Today's class is um, about keeping track of life. And there's actually a lot of different directions this could go in and we'll happily take your, your case studies, your ideas. You can put those into the chat also. Um, but, but we have a few to kind of get us started. So we touched on lists last week, if you remember, and were with us last week when we, the, the Mishnah that kind of kicked off our conversation was about making lists of guests and food items that you're going to serve at a meal, all of which feels highly relevant to me. Um, and we talked about why, why that might be problematic, at least two reasons why that might be problematic. This week is our chance to do a deeper dive on all different ways that we keep track of things in our lives, whether a little bit retro, like making an actual handwritten list, um, or a little bit more modern, like wearing a Fitbit. Um, so we will cover all these cases and others. Um, guest lists, um, calling people up for Aliyot, um, people making donations or pledging money on Shabbat, so many different cases. But we're also going to spend some time first looking to understand the principles in play. And that's going to um, include going back into um, some of the sources that we looked at last time in, or some of the concepts that we looked at last time, I should say, um, in greater depth and starting with this category of Uvdin Dechol, um, of things that you just can't do on Shabbat. Rabbi Nitzarin is gonna kick us off. I think the sources were shared 
but if not, I'll reshare them. Right there in the chat. Yeah. They are now. Everyone should be able to see them. They're a Google Doc, and you sh and if at any point, and it should be permissions. It should be public, so you can read it and enjoy. Okie dokie. Um, oh, let me make this bigger for you all. Sorry, one second. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about are is this concept of, of the Nahol because it's gonna kind of underlie this other concept that we wanna that we're gonna look at, which is a, a prohibition or like quasi-prohibition on medida on measuring. Um, but the first thing I want to introduce you to you is just this very fundamental ongoing like standing until today debate about like what even of the whole is so we're definitely in the world of rabbinic prohibitions or like even potentially less than rabbinic prohibitions on shabbat um and the question is like what kind of thing would even qualify as like don't do this, it's a weekday thing. <laughs> um, so the Ramban paints this picture in his, um, in his commentary to Vayikra, and it's very, very beautiful actually, um, of like what could happen if people live Shabbat by like the letter of the Torah law, like what kind of world would we actually see in if that's all that they cared about about Shabbat and they didn't take the spirit of Shabbat seriously. Um, and he says, um, right, oh, it's on like a Yom Tov thing, but he talks about Yom Tov and Shabbat. It's on the word Shabbaton. I should have probably brought that in. Um, so right, that we're, the Torah commands us to rest on this day. Even from things that are not formally melacha, that are not formally work, and and what's the purpose? Loshi So you shouldn't be working so hard all day long. And we're gonna to get to this further, but to measure your produce, to weigh your fruits, um, and you fill up wine barrels, all this stuff, right? You could move rocks from place to place. Um, and if um, and then like if you have this like closed um it, it's it's a city encompassed by uh, a wall and so therefore it's like an Arab there's one domain um then all of a sudden you'll have you'll have donkeys filling the streets and um and they'll be bringing in like all this different food on Yantiv the yahashuk memkar and then in your your shuk your marketplace is just gonna be pumping business, and the, and the storefront will be open, and everyone's just going to be doing their work. They're going to be changing coins because there's no Torah prohibition on, on using currency on Shabbos, and you'll be doing all this business. Um, and, and in reality, the workers, the workers are going to wake up early to go do their work. And they're basically going to sell their services as if it's a weekday. Um, and then Yom Tov and even Shabbos herself will just become 
permitted. They'll just become hutru. They'll just become totally permissible times. Because none of these things that we have just described, all of the stuff that happens in a marketplace, all of people like getting paid to do work, none of that. If you look at the list of the 49 of the um, of the 39 malachot, none of those are malachot, it says the Ramban. And all of that comes from just our understanding that Shabbat is not a time when we do business. Shabbat is not a time when we do our normal work. Shabbat is this time of Shabbaton. Shabbat is this time for rest. L'kach amra Torah Shabbaton. yom lo yom Torah. And right, it's called Chavez and Yantiv are called Shabbaton, that it's a day of Shivita, it's a day of, of stopping, it's a day of resting, and not a day of labor. So that's the Ramban's perspective on like what often the whole is this idea of like on Shabbat you retract from work. Yeah, like the point is don't do your work, don't do your normal work. That's the Ramban. And I should mention about the Ramban that this has become a very important piece of. Um, even like our understanding of how Shabbat works. Um, and so much so that the RCA or the Orthodox Union very recently referred to this Ramban as like a core tenant of modern Orthodoxy. Uh, like the Ramban's understanding of Shabbaton as a core tenant of modern Orthodoxy, which is just like a fascinating sociological idea. Um, but, but just to give you a sense of like how kind of important this idea of the Ramban is in our day and age. So we had to introduce that. But, um, and we'll see more Rambam and like a little bit further down that really drives this home. But the Rambam says, no, the point of, of the prohibition on of the prohibition on doing stuff you do on weekdays is because if you do stuff that you do on weekdays in the way in which you do it on a weekday, you'll come to do melacha, you'll come to do the prohibited labors. So for the Ramban, it's about, for Nachmanides, it's about, don't do your work. Anything that's your work, don't do it on Shabbos. But for Maimonides, it's still about these major categories of melacha and holding back from that. So he's talking about, um, in a case of someone who dirtied his hands with mud, where are you allowed to wipe them off? So he says, you should not do it with a handkerchief, which you normally use to wipe your hands, because you shouldn't do it in a weekday kind of way, right? This Don't do it in an activity that's a weekday activity. Why? Because you'll come to launder the handkerchief and laundering is a malacha. So it's the Ovdin Dechol, the prohibition for the Rambam from Maimonides on Ovdin Dechol is about those are prohibited because if there are situations where you'll come, if they're connected to classic Melachot. So hopefully you're kind of getting a feel for that difference between the Ramban and the Rambam. Um, Rabbi Linzer wrote a chuva about this, but as part of that chuva, he just lays out some options about what Ovdin Dechol could be. Um, so he says, Option number one would be activities that require exertion. Um, two would be activities that we, we didn't really see that inside, by the way, activities that require exertion. Maybe the Ramban, maybe Nachmanides kind of hints at it. Um, number two, activities that are connected to commerce or our professions. That's for sure the Nachmanides. And then three, activities that are connected to a Malacha, and that's Maimonides. That's Rambam. Um, and then 
he just gives a little quick rundown of who in modern times, who lines up with whom. So Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach takes the Maimonides approach, that third definition. Um, and he says, yeah, Ovdin the whole are all related to prohibited malacha activities. Rav Moshe adopts the second definition, that, that Ramban, Nachmanides definition of the Dekholar activities, which are professional in nature. And that, by the way, that division is important because that's also like an Israel-America division um, where like in America, it is very like, don't do your profession on Shabbat, which ties into all of these like Amer- interesting American Jewish history things about maybe why like observance of Shabbat really had to push in that direction where maybe in Israel it didn't quite exactly um, but like that's a whole like interesting history of halakha. Side note, um, and then he says activities that require exertion. The first definition is not adopted by these post game as a possible definition, simply because um, such activities are already forbidden on the basis of a more specific concept of of tircha, which are acts of unnecessary exertion. You don't need the concept of of din to meet that because you have other things that kind of meet that. So this was all just by way of kind of laying out the classic kind of debates about this term of din de Everyone agrees, if something is of din de then you shouldn't do it, not because it's a Torah level prohibition, but because it's some kind of rabbinic level prohibition. But the question is like, on what grounds is it a rabbinic level prohibition? And Maimonides would say, it's like any other rabbinic level prohibition because you'll come to do a Torah level prohibition. And Nachmanides would say, it's based on almost this like Torah level obligation to make Shabbat and Yom Tov a Shabbaton, to make these days special, to make them days where you don't do your work. Um, okay, um, Rabbi Wachenfeld, were there any questions that I should get to? Yes. So, so a few people shared what they um, read on Shabbat, um, but um, let's see, um, a few different questions. Um, can one not use a handkerchief during the nine days? That was oh, my, that by Maimonides' read. Yeah. But, but maybe, or you could say the opposite though. You could say, oh, during the nine days on Shabbat, you can, because even on the weekday, you wouldn't be doing your laundry. So I don't know. You could argue it probably both directions. That's a, that's a fun question, Ilana. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was fun. Um, doesn't the Rambam elsewhere cite a mitzvah essay of Shabbaton, even for those who don't have a job and don't do malacha during the week? That's from Abby and Adam. The Rambam or the Ramban? Hang on, I gotta go up and read this. The Rambam. Oh, I think this, wow. The physical exertion. Yeah, that's what I was remembering, but I I wish I had committed everything the Rambam ever wrote to memory, (laughs) but I'm not there yet. Ask me in like 20 years and I hope, please God, I can do stuff like that. Um, There there is, I I do think, um, I do remember that definitely know that there is a mitzvah that he that Rambam lists the mitzvah of Shabbaton, but I I don't remember the part about like even if you Wait, don't I think I think it's what you're remembering that it's that it's different than how the Rambam lays it out here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we got to keep going. Okay, yeah. There and there's <laughs> different comments at work. These are all really interesting, guys. Keep it coming. Um, I will I will pick it up from here, but um, but keep those questions coming. Um, okay. You can you can look at the questions and I will not be distracted. I will keep talking. Um, okay, so thinking more about again, sort of narrowing our focus a little. So now we have this larger category of uvdin and you have a few different 
um, choose your own adventure possible definitions. And the truth is that um, say, I think it's fair to say each, each one of these definitions gets tapped into in different ways and at different times by different halakhic authorities, if we're thinking about modern implications. Um, now we want to um, go a little bit deeper into the related concept, which we started talking about last time, of daber davar, of the ways in which, specific ways in which your speech on Shabbat and your actions on Shabbat need to be different from the way they are during the week. So I'm sharing my screen. So I'll try to go through this part a little bit quickly because we did talk at least about some of this last week. Um, but here's this concept called Daber Dabar. So we called it Daber Dabar continued. The Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Im Tashiv Mishabat Raglacha, Asokha Fatsacha Bayam Kunchi, the Karatel Shabbat Oneg, Likdosh Adonai Mechubad, Vichibad Toma, Sotrahacha, Mimsocha Fatsacha, Vidaber Dabar. It's very poetic. Um, I'll, I'll go with the English here if you refrain from trampling Shabbat, from pursuing your affairs on my holy day. And then these are going to be important concepts, Karatel Shabbat Oneg, where you call Shabbat delight. So you might know the concept of Oneg Shabbat. Chibad Toma, Sotrahacha, you. Um, you honor the day or you respect the day. Um, you don't, don't you do your normal things or you don't yeah, go after your own things. And you don't, this English is strike bargains, but right, something specific about the language that you use on Shabbat. Okay, that's a rough translation. Um, but the Gemara actually in Shabbat kind of goes phrase by phrase and breaks it down. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a translation, but it's their Midrashic interpretation on what each one of these phrases means. So the Gemara says, Don't wear the same clothes on Shabbat that you wear the rest of the week. Um, and because we know this because Rabbi Yochanan would call his clothing so that's where we get that word from. Don't walk on Shabbat the way that you walk um, the rest of the week. I think someone put a reference to running or jogging into the chat already before. Um, so here's your walking. You can't kind of do your own thing or take care of your own affairs, only affairs that have to do with Shabbat. Don't speak on Shabbat the same way that you speak during the week, or maybe don't speak about the same things. You can't speak about those things, but maybe you can contemplate them. Again, relevant to our topic from last week. So we have all of these general categories, um, or I should say really all these specific categories that, that add up into this general picture of don't do on Shabbat the things that you do during the week. Um, and just as you saw in the section that Rabbi Nitzarna taught um, about you know, these, these categories of like tircha, right, uh, exertion and things that um, feel like non-Shabbat activities, there's obviously gonna be a little bit of um, a little bit of gray area here or a little bit of maybe um, subjectivity, but this is kind of the starting point. And historically communities have interpreted these pieces very differently. Last week, we started to see, again, this breakdown around like, well, what, what can you say and what can you read? We're going to focus this time on this issue of measuring and is it or isn't some is is it or isn't it something that you would do during the week and therefore have to avoid during Shabbat? Phrase it really broadly to start with. So um, the Shulchan Aruch here says, um, mutar shabbat mitzvah. 
You can measure on Shabbat if it is Mididash al Mitzvah. If it is um, measuring, oh, I did think we had the Rambam here. Okay, it's a little bit out of order. Um, I'll go back to the Rambam in a sec. Um, the Shulchan Aruch says, right, you can measure on Shabbat um, if, it's, if it's a mitzvah kind of measuring. Now, what you might ask is a mitzvah kind of measuring. So like we should have blocked this part so you could all guess, like what's something that you could measure where it'd be a mitzvah to measure it, okay? You could measure if there are 40 seahs of water in the mikvah. I actually don't know how I would do that, but in theory, um, right, you could measure how much water is in the mikvah. Um, or you could um, measure, okay, this one's a little more complicated. You could measure someone's belt because they're sick and you need to know the proper incantations to recite over them. That one I also don't know how to do, but okay, you get the basic idea. Um, I really like the category of mitzvah measuring. So you can do mitzvah measuring and all of this is following up on, sorry, these are a little out of order. Um, it's following up on the Rambam related to the piece that Rabbi Sarna showed us a few minutes ago this idea of tishpot, right? Not, um, well, like it's like Shabbaton, tishpot, so rest or, or cease from labor is the translation here. They don't do things. Even things that aren't actually melacha, you have to not do them. Um, there are a lot of things that the rabbis prohibited because they are, um, because of rest, it's like rabbinic Shabbat prohibitions. Some of them are prohibited because they're similar to melacha. Right? And so some things are just too much like melacha for comfort and other things, they're not really like melacha, but if you do them, you might come to do one of the 39 prohibited categories. And so that's not good either. It's so this idea that you can, that the only things can only fall into this category for Shabbat if they are similar to um, a malacha or could lead to a malacha. And the Shulchan Aruch seems to be saying, hey, but not medidash al mitzvah, right? Some kinds of measuring, maybe yes, but not medidash al mitzvah, not mitzvah kinds of measuring. And the Mishnah following up on, on this point says, as a general rule, the idea that there's rabbinic prohibitions about things you can't do on Shabbat, we don't, we don't say, oh, just because it's a mitzvah, you could for sure do it. Shani medida, but Measuring is a little different. I love this phrase. It's not like so usher. Um, I think this is what you were saying at the beginning, Rabbi Nitzar, like some things are like malacha and some things are like malacha and some things are like not, not even really usher. So this is not even really a malacha um, measuring itself. Um, but sometimes it's sometimes it's like something that you would do the rest of the week. Um, Right. Um, but therefore it's permitted in a mitzvah location. So you can think about, um, you can think about what is your favorite measuring activity, right? What is the measuring activity that you do on a regular basis, um, that you do want to do on Shabbat, that you don't want to do on Shabbat, um, that you might sometimes do on Shabbat, um, measuring, tracking, all of these things fall loosely under this category of medida. Um, and, the, and the question is going to be, when does it really fall into this um, mitzvah measuring category? So let's test this theoretical construct against a couple of different frameworks. Actually, I'll pause for questions for a second, then I'll get into the Shailo Chibot. Are there questions coming in?
We got one about whether you can use a thermometer. Yay. We'll get there. <laughs> Good. That was the right question. <laughs> um, otherwise, I think, oh, we had another suggestion of a mitzvah measurement, a kazayat of matzah marah on Pesach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very good. That's a good one. Um, okay, I think we should. I think we're keep going. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So let's test it against a couple of cases. I promise we'll get to um, temperature taking. Um, but my personal favorite: guest lists. Back to guest lists. Um, so I think it's worth just pausing here to note for a second. Last week we kind of opened with thinking about different. Um, different technologies of, of writing it or different technologies of recording things and how that might have changed the conversation here. Um, and we're gonna have similar conversations this time in terms of technologies of tracking things, both in terms of how you track the thing and also what it is that you wanna track. But certain things seem to be a constant. So um, the Shri Yaakov, uh, spoke about him last week, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, um, who was writing in Germany in the 1700s, I think he died in 1776, um, writes about guest lists. So he says, I want to know, like, or the question that's asked him is, what is everybody relying on, right? What's everyone relying on? When the shamash, the, like, assistant helper person in the shul, like, kind of like the gabbai, um, reads out the names of people who are coming to the meal on Shabbat from a written list. And he says, because we know that this is not, a, not permitted. We, uh, he, like we, have read the Shulchan Aruch. Um, but it's so interesting. He says, Have you ever heard this argued, maybe by a teenager? But everyone's doing it, right? Literally everyone is doing it. He's like, I don't know anyone who's not reading guest lists um, on Shabbat and they're doing it in shul on Shabbat. So like, how could this be a problem? So here's his answer. First, a little review from last week. Um, first, he says, He's like, yeah, it's a really good question. Like, everyone's really confused about this. How could you possibly have a guest list? How could you possibly have, let's say, Rabbi Nisar and I were talking about like, what's the case here? Like you're having like a shul dinner, right? And you have a list of the people who've registered in advance for the shul dinner. Um, our shul does that regularly. Um, so, or we used to. So like, how can you even do that? Um, so he goes through, this is like a little, um, you know, again, shout out to last week, right? Like there's this whole idea. You have a problem, or you can't necessarily write down things and read them from writing on Shabbat, um, that falls under this prohibition that we've seen. Um, and he mentions the Rambam, the end of this paragraph, right? So maybe it's an issue of, um, of star hedge, maybe it's an issue of less you come to a race. Okay, those are the, the kinds of potential problems that we have here. And he goes on to solve the problem. Um, again, last week we talked about there are two potential reasons why you can't read things from a list. One, it's like star hedge, it's like this document that is like a quasi business like document, can't read from much about. The other reason is you might come to a race. If you're dealing with makom mitzvah, if you're dealing with a mitzvah category, so maybe you could say it's totally not like shtar hedyot. It's a mitzvah. It's not like shtar hedyot. It's not like reading your taxes or your junk mail or anything like that. But 
just because it's a mitzvah purpose doesn't guarantee that you won't erase it. So I said, like, that's a big distinction between these two, um, these two ways of reasoning about this. Um, but it would work both ways, right? If you think Shar Hedjot is a problem, you're for sure going to think this list is a problem. And if you think that erasing is a problem, even Dvar Mitzvah doesn't help you. So you're really, really kind of stuck. When it comes to reading a list of guests who are called to a meal in the shul, right? When it comes to like a we call them a mitzvah person, a mitzvah delegated person. It's like the gabbai. It's like the, the shul president, right? Somebody who has a clear purpose in being there and doing this job. When that person is reading out the list, there's just no xera on that at all. And you don't have to worry about, is it a problem of, um, is it a problem of you might come to a race? Is it a problem of might you come to reach our you? No, there's just no issue here. We're not concerned at all. Um, and the way he justifies this um, is to say, um, right, it's it's for it's for all meals on Shabbat. Um, the reason is, this is great, guys. Terrible things can happen if you mix up guests at meals. How do we know this? We know this because Akamta Ubarkamta famous story of mixed up guest lists, Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, um, famous story that's usually associated with Tishabav and not with Hilchot Shabbat at all. Um, so this is very creative that um, the wrong guest was thought they were invited to a party and threw a fit and long story short, we have no more Beit HaMikdash. Um, and so terrible things can happen if you invite the wrong person to sit down. Um, therefore you need a list you need to be able to read it from what's written um, as we say in Gittin about something else entirely but that's okay um, that in moments of terrible things happening in moments of crisis you can nullify the Torah this is a don't try this at home halacha um, but, um, but does get recorded sometimes in the Gemara um, so nearly tam hagun v'nachon leishev haminhag. It is. It seems to me to be a good a good idea, um, right? So maybe again, you can't do this at home, or you can't do this with every meal. But certainly, a gabai and a shul can read this list and can go through the list because terrible things could happen if not. Which is, you know, maybe maybe kind of a far cry from where we started in some ways, in terms of like, you know, the strict category. It's not tircha, and it's, you know, not right. It's 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 easy in some ways to see how it's not over to the whole, but it he's but I think what um, what the Shri Yaakov was pointing to here is that you you can't get off easily in terms of the reasons behind the xera, right? You have to go a little further afield in order to be able to say, actually, this is a mitzvah case. And we're going to see this again and again, that there is a willingness to be um, to be flexible, to think broadly, to think creatively about what actually is a case of a mitzvah. Um, so I'll test it against one other one other case here um, before we pause for questions again. Um, here's a tshuva from Rav Avadi Yosef. 
um, former chief Sephardic rabbi of Israel, died, I think, in 2013, um, something like that. Um, and he writes about a different recording thing, although this is also a little mind-blowing. Um, I think I'll summarize the question. So imagine you're in shul and people are getting called up for aliot or different kibudim, and um, they are pledging money in exchange for those kibudim. Does that happen in anybody's shul? I can only see a few. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think also us like a little bit. Like I think it's, there's like a broad right yiten staka kind of clause in the Mishaberach, but nothing too specific. But there are and were shuls where like dollar amounts were named. So, oh, I should have said this is a question that's coming out of Egypt, um, out of the Egyptian community. Um, and so apparently not only did they auction off or, or have people pay for these kibbutzim, they pre-Shabbat arranged for a non-Jew to come and stand in a room like adjacent to the shul and write sums on like the wall or on like the blackboard. So like they could keep like a running tally of how much money they were taking in. So the question is, is there any justification in halakha for this minhag? Um, or is there like nothing for these people to rely on? And can you do this in other Basay Knesset? So long story short, this is a much longer chuba, very nicely abridged here. Um, it probably will not shock you to hear that um, Rav Avadi Yosef says, thumbs down, not a big fan, but we're not gonna yell at the people who do it right now. Um, he says, they, they have on what to rely. Right? If they're already doing it, it's not worth fighting with them. But he says, shul shouldn't start doing it um, as like a lechachila. Um, and even in the shuls where they're doing it, maybe better to tell them not to. But he says, It is okay to keep track of these things on Shabbat. Just the idea of having the non-Jew come in and literally write on like the wall or the blackboard or whatever, like that's maybe like a bridge too far. But totally fine to keep track of these sums on Shabbat. Um, he says, as long as you do it with like, signs and little pieces of paper and similar kinds of things so now you can all pretend that you're like in charge of programming for a shul and um, some of us don't have to pretend and you have been tasked with keeping track of donations or keeping track of how many people are at a meal or um so, you know anything that you need to keep track of um and shout out to um our colleague rabbi yonatan cohen for sending us this cool link um, but apparently this was a thing. Um, this is still a thing. You can put in the chat if this is something that um, people do. Yeah, pledge cards at Kol Nidre, that kind of thing. But this was a really well-developed system. So um, I think we linked to this article about um, tracking systems in synagogues. Um, in This is specifically in the Hungarian world. Um, but um, so kind of kind of specific, but it was like a thing to have little slips of paper um, and you could write down on the paper like names of people, um, how much they were donating, like I guess in like increments of, you know, you could do it in like monetary increments and also what cause they were donating to because some congregations apparently would have multiple 
um, like you could give your Aliyah money to this cause or to that cause or whatever. Yeah, like the tabs on the pledge cards, that kind of thing, but you don't even have to fold it. They would just tuck the things into the appropriate pockets or bags or pages of the book. And that's how they would keep track of all these um, different amounts. So if I were to ask you, based on everything we've learned so far, um, you know, don't you think this is a little bit similar to Shtar Hedyu? Okay. Let alone that probably there's issues of potential mechika here. Like you could, I assume, erase this. I don't really know so much about erasing on parchment. This looks like I wouldn't even want to touch it. But, um, but right in theory, right, you could come to erase it. And also, um, it's, you know, maybe a little bit like Shtar Hedyot. Um, but what's our out going to be here? It's, it's, a, it's a mitzvah, right? Or it's, it's mitzvah adjacent. I don't know. I think we have to find like the exact right language for this. Um, it's at least mitzvah adjacent. And so, I mean, Rav Avadya doesn't, doesn't really specify his reasoning here. Um, but I think that having seen the other sources, we could say, right, it's, it's mitzvah adjacent. Maybe there's no gzera on it to begin with because it's something that you need to do on Shabbat. It's something that you're doing for Shabbat purposes, for tzedakah purposes, for mitzvah purposes, um, for all of these kinds of things. And therefore, maybe you can say like, it's not, it wasn't even part of the gzera to begin with. It's not included. Um, and so there's no problem with it. And to test this further, we're going to look at a case of measuring temperature on Shabbat, um, right? Another measuring case, which um, again, the question, right? Spoiler alert, but the question will be like, well, is it a mitzvah to measure temperature? What exactly are we talking about when we talk about taking temperature? Um, but I'm gonna pause for questions and then turn it over to Rabbi Sarna to set that up for us. There's a lot of discussion about places that collect pledges on Shabbat, which is like super interesting. Um, I don't think technically, probably not so much questions. Um, we did have a question about the Shavuot Yaakov. Why does he need to whip out that Itla Sula Shem card? Didn't he have like a good enough argument just on the like Kamsa Bar Kamsa front without it? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I, I think um, you guys thought the bar, Kamsa Bar Kamsa was strong. I think it's amazing. Um, I feel like at the point at which you've gone full on Kamsa Bar Kamsa, it's like, why not Eight Lahas at Um, That's my best answer. I don't know. Right. I was also <laughs> thinking, like, I actually think the Kamsa Bar Kamsa thing is not so strong and therefore he needs to, like, um, it, he's just really trying to, that the Shrut Yaakov is just really trying to, like, read positivity into it. But but I think one of the things that's amazing is, like, just, like, what you're getting a feel for is, like, yeah, this, like, lists and tracking things reading things off lists is um there's like a lot of awkwardness about it and like if the concern is that it'll lead to someone writing like there's nothing more obvious it'll lead to writing than that revovania chuva where they literally brought in a gentile to write and yet somehow he's like oh just don't do what they're doing and instead do this other thing that literally is what led to what they're doing. Um, and still somehow it's like, well, this is like the mitzvah and it's like the practice of the Jewish people. And, and I think that the, um, the Mishnah Brura saying, yeah, and it's not even a real like Darabanan. It's just like an Odin the whole like weak Darabanan kind of thing. Like, I think all of that is just so telling about how kind of like the, like the grasping at straws of like people are doing this anyways so we have to figure out how it's okay kind of piece. yeah and I would just add and I skipped it so we could go on but maybe I shouldn't have that um he quotes them again Abraham 
who says, um, right, a, also a famous line, mitzvah, uh, minhag Yisrael Torah, he writes that like, once it's a minhag, it's Torah. And again, to me, this just speaks about like, um, technological change, development, right? Like this became a thing and now we kind of can't do without it. And we got to think about what to do, so. I definitely, by the way, recommend clicking that link about all the different like practices about this in Hungary. They have like amazing artifacts and pictures and stuff like that. And like, it's cool because it's like paper stuff that should have been thrown away and wasn't and was preserved, which is very exciting. Okay, we got to get to this and the rest of our materials are really cool and people are already like asking questions about it. And uh, and uh, I want to get there. So let's keep going. Okay, so just to set up the Tzitzeliezer, that we're going to see you. So the Gemara in Shabbat 157a says um, there are things that you're allowed to measure on Shabbat. Um, you can measure, right, some of that stuff that that we already saw. Um, you can measure a rag to see if it's big enough to contract um, ritual impurity. You can measure um, you can measure mikvah. Um, umasa bime aviv shav rabbi tzaduk ve ava shu'ur ben batnit shapakeku tava or vetafiach ve kashu tamakida ve gemi leza imish begagit hoteach tafach in lav umidivrayam lamanu shapokim umodim ukoshrim bashabat. So we have this like weird case where they're doing this like very complicated measurement. Um, they sealed a window using an earthenware vessel, tied an earthenware shard with a long reed grass in order to ascertain whether or not the roofing had an opening the size of a handbreadth in order to make a complicated calculation about purity and impurity. But from their statements concludes the Mishnah, we derive that you can seal a window, you can measure, you can tie a knot on Shabbat, which is all just so confusing because you can't tie knots on Shabbat. <laughs> you can't measure on Shabbat. Um, all this stuff. So it's just like this very confusing um, Mishnah. And then the Gemara says, um, Ula went to the house of the Rish Kaluta. He went to the house of the Exilarch. And he saw um, Rabbi Barafuna sitting in a tub of water and measuring it. So again, just like one weird story after the next. Um, Rabbi Barafuna is sitting in a tub. He's measuring it. Um, and he says, Ula says to Rabbi Barafuna, um, he says, you're allowed to measure for a mitzvah, but you're just like measuring for funsies. You're not allowed to do that. Who says that's allowed? And Rafuna said to him, and here's the important part, I am acting unawares. I'm measuring, but I'm not really like paying attention to my measuring. That's going to come back in an important way. So Tosfa would have like just these two little like teachings about Medida. Um, so um, he says the difference between like Pekika, like stopping something up and like sealing um, and Medida is that Medida needs to be in a case of a mitzvah. It's only allowed in the case of mitzvah, whereas Pekika, maybe you can you can stop things up on Shabbos, um, maybe even otherwise. So Pekika, Loba Inan Shal Mitzvah, Eladafka Medida. And then this other place, he just brings in everyone's favorite idea of, of the Dechol. So he says, Right, we already saw that in the Mishnah Burah. Measuring in this situation, which he's talking about, it's not exactly our situation, whatever, isn't 
measuring isn't such a prohibition. It's just an ovdin zechol. So Tosfot is in camp that in, in maybe more of like what we would call the Nachmanides camp, that ovdin zechol, like they're not even a real darabanan. They're like maybe a darabanan, as opposed to Maimonides who says ovdin zechol is because it'll lead to a doraita. So, um, so those are just two quick things. And then the other thing is, so when we're talking about these cases, we saw before the Shulchan Aruch, but the tour actually um, brings in just like more opinions um, about this measuring stuff. So, and one of those important opinions is why is it, we, we saw in the Shulchan Aruch that you're allowed to use this like belt thing. You're allowed to measure a belt around a sick person so that you can like say the right incantations, super strange situation. Um, and he says, um, the Avia Ezri permits um, Avia Ezri to row the Mishum Lachash Likash in Mutarlu Shabbat. Says the Avia Ezri says there's no problem about this like incantation whispering because you're allowed to do that incantations on Shabbos. Mishum Medida Nami Lika, and there's no problem of measuring the Mit Asikhu at Medida. He's not really paying attention to the measuring the point, or she in this case, sorry, should never miss an opportunity to use female pronouns in halacha. Um, she in this case is, um, she's not, the point of it isn't the measuring, the point is the incantation, and she's just measuring on her way to the incantation, so she's not just like um, uh, Rava Barafuna, who was sitting in the bath and absent-mindedly measuring, so too in this case, she's also absent-mindedly measuring. The measuring is not in and of itself the point. Okay, so that sets us up for the Tzitz Eliezer, and I recommend that you take over and go straight in. Okay, I'm going straight in. Um, it's going straight in, but sharing my screen. Okay, so now you're set up for, oops, really sharing my screen. You're set up to appreciate the Tzitz Eliezer, um, who was asked the question that apparently someone asked in the chat earlier. Um, measuring measuring someone's temperature on Shabbat. Um, and this is even pre-COVID. Um, so he says, Like there are people who are saying like, can you really do this or not? Um, in order to know if someone has a temperature. Um, and they're worried maybe this is a problem of measuring on Shabbat, right? which we have now looked into extensively. So I said, I'm going to look into this because it always needs, this is something that always needs solving. Um, so this I think is important. We need to know whether you can take someone's temperature for any kind of um, concern, any kind of potential illness. Um, because I think it's probably obvious to most, if not everyone here, like if I said, you know, it's going to be life-saving, right? This is potentially life-saving treatment. We need to know, like, God forbid they have a fever, they have to be rushed to the hospital. Like, okay, so sure, right? You can break Shabbat to save a life. So we have to be thinking also more broadly. And Celiazer is really saying like, you know, can you just take someone's temperature anytime that you're like a little bit concerned or does it have to be a serious medical case. Um, so I'm going to try to do this very briefly. And you already saw the Gemara in Shabbat. So he quotes the Gemara in Shabbat that we just looked at uh, of these like weird cases of people who are doing things that are seemingly prohibited on Shabbat. Um, and same language here. But it seems like you can do these things on Shabbat. 
at least in some circumstances. And then again, um, yeah, and then the the story, um, or he brings that in later, the story about the bathtub. Okay, fine. Um, so he says, like, right, essentially the question is, are these are these really mitzvah cases, right? Going back to our questions from before, right? To what extent are these or or are these not really mitzvah cases? Um, and he eventually says, yeah, probably it's true um, that all of these are in some ways cases that are connected to mitzvah. Mitzvah measuring is permitted. Um, and he brings another source also that we didn't look at. But actually, we can broaden the definition of mitzvah a little bit and say that anything that you need to do on Shabbat um, is a kind of quasi-mitzvah. So you have, in addition to the category that the Gemara already brought in of mitzvah, right, of you're not even really paying attention to the measuring. He says, well, you, you could even be paying attention to the measuring, but if it's something you need to do on Shabbat, then maybe it's really okay. Um, and therefore, he says, taking temperature on Shabbat um, is, it's, it's a form of measuring. If there's any situation where not taking your own temperature or taking the temperature of your children or someone in your household would cause um, would cause gufani physical pain, or like disruption of your own Shabbat. Because you're not really sure, right? Like, you know, supposedly like some people can feel whether you have a fever or not by like putting their hand on your forehead, but like it never works for me, right? So like just the the not knowing is going to really bother you and it's going to interfere with your own Shabbat. Um, so if you need to do that, so, okay, fine. Right, so right so you can't um if you can't enjoy shabbat without it then you need to be able to take someone's temperature um and then he goes on to bring in this argument about mitzah that we saw right like maybe you're not even um it's not the measuring that you care about really right you just want to know do they have a fever or not right but it's not it's not like you actually um care so much about the measuring and he even says like anyway like it's not measuring like measuring temperature is like um you know it makes you imagine taking out like a measuring what's it called measuring tape right and like you can like hold it up but like it doesn't work that way he says what's the big deal you kind of stick the thing next to the kid's head and it reads out a number and like that's all it is right it's not like a physical act of measuring in the same way so kind of pulling out all the stops here. Um, and I'm skipping to the end, so we have time for these even more modern chuvot. Um, but he says, okay, so in the end of the day, we're gonna say, you can totally do this. Um, it's totally fine. Right? Again, you can measure someone's temperature anytime because it might, um, interfere with your own Shabbat. So I think you can see here, following up on what we discussed before, first of all, the attempt to ground this as makom mitzvah, right? Like there, there is a mitzvah at stake. 
it's not the mitzvah of measuring the way we talked about it at first, right? Mitzvah measuring. It's not about um, like measuring how many se'ah are in your mikvah, but it will interfere with the um, execution of a mitzvah if you don't do this measuring. I feel like that's his like stronghold. That's really where he's going with this, but he has all these other arguments kind of along the way, um, not maybe as desperate as Kamsa and Bar Kamsa and Eitla Sola Hashem, right? But but they're there, right? You're not, it's not really measuring. It's kind of a mitzvah. It's kind of just by the by. Um, but at the end of the day, he wants to really argue that this is in the mitzvah category. Um, and Reverend Nitzar and I want you to be able to get to smart bracelets. So I feel like you should take it from there. You're muted. I know, sorry, I was just finishing the comment. You're talking too um, Okay, yes, so, um, okay. I, what everyone is saying, super important thing to know is that yes, definitely like mercury, non-digital thermometers is what he's talking about. Um, and like, now we're about to like merge into electricity land, which we have not gone to yet. And I, before we get there, I definitely just wanna say like electricity is a huge alternative like world topic. Ovdin Dechol is like the big kind of piece in that topic. So we've already um, touched on it, but, but we in the next seven minutes definitely don't have time to do it justice. So, um, but I do think that like these, these smart bracelets, um, tra like tracking wear wearables, I think is what people call them, like tracking devices like that. Um, they play this like, right, Ilana's wearing one right now. Um, they play this increasingly large role in people's lives, not exclusively, meaning it, it helps both um, kind of extremely broadly construed, like I want to collect data on how well I sleep at night, or I want to know how many steps I took and that's health. But then there's also like health, which is like, my doctor told me I have to wear this thing so that it tracks my heart rate so that we can follow, um, you know, whether like my like arrhythmia has gotten worse or something like that. And those are both in a certain sense similar, like some kind of like heart monitor would be, it, it's, it's, almost, it's like a similar device that does the same thing and that it keeps track of some body function and communicates it to the cloud and you're wearing it on Shabbat. But, um, but I think that like health versus health is, um, is quite like an important piece of that conversation. Again, because we're doing this very tricky business of like, what is a mitzvah? Um, and that's going to play really heavily in this, um, in this um, tshuva that we're about to look at by Rabbi Strout Rosen on smart bracelets. Tomet is like the place for all of these questions. And I actually think that they're like really underexplored. And I would anticipate that in the next 10, 15 years, we'll see a lot of responsa about these like wearables and things like that, especially as they if they make headway into the ultra-Orthodox world, then we'll see them even more. But here's from like the modern Orthodox world um, in Israel writing, um, writing this. Um, and let me share my screen and the table will this. Hello. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay. okay. So Tamir Chacham on Shabbat, and they asked that it's a very long question, and I'm just gonna um, skip to the answer. So he says. A chayshan psiot, so some a pedometer, right? A karui pedometer, um, and a person is wearing it all the time. 
And it's the type of pedometer so on normally it there's nothing on the display that's the hatsig is a display um from and and it doesn't like it doesn't show on the pedometer on the fitbit like how many steps you've taken you have to like log in to find out how how many steps you took and it doesn't like vibrate if you didn't like get all your steps in or something like that um then um so that's that's the case he wants to talk about. It says, um, it seems like from just like, just like the looking at the sources kind of, I don't know exactly how to translate like from like a technical halachic perspective, that's how we'll say it, from a technical halachic perspective, this should be permitted, even though it's recording, he says, it's being recorded somewhere but it's not showing that anywhere and you don't experience it on Shabbat anywhere. So that should be, according to the sources, permitted, um, especially if this is like something that you do normally and you're, not, and you're not actively trying to accomplish anything with it. But he says, um, oh, sorry, Andy says, this is our way with all kinds of sensors that people are regularly in contact with, um, but don't experience anything from their activities. So think about the difference between I walk past a light and that light has a sensor. And so the light turns on when I walk past it. Therefore I'm experiencing the sensor doing something versus what he says, this, a Fitbit is it's water meters. When I turn on the faucet or when I flush the toilet, I don't see the water meter in my house tick up, but it is ticking up. It is tracking my water usage and it reports it to the water company and they send me a bill. So not only, right, and there's like a real like active chain of events. This, by the way, if you're interested in this, there's a lot of literature in Israel about water meters from when they upgraded. And you'll notice the pattern that it affected Haredi neighborhoods. And so that's when there became a lot of literature about it. Um, it, um, it okay, fine. And he says, even when you like turn up the pressure or something like that, you're not seeing your water meter tick up in front of you. Um, and so, and like our practice is that, like when you buy a house, you don't pay attention to what kind of water meter it, it is, even though there was a time when that was like a huge fight, apparently. Um, but he says, If there is no, after talking to an important halachic decisor, if there is not no essential, like, like important, I said like, like health versus like health, right? We're talking about health, um, um, health reason, then then you want to separate yourself from um, these types of things on Shabbat. And he says, and the reason for it, he says, is, is it's like the opposite of the types of reasonings that we saw before. Before we saw all the like, I want to make it happen. So I'm going to say, and now I'm going to say all the opposite. I don't want it to happen. So I'm going to say, it's um it, it gets in the way of the atmosphere of Shabbat. Um, it looks bad in front of other people. Midron chalaklak, the slippery slope. Um, latura achar heterim lo Right, it's people looking for permissibility for things that aren't appropriate. Um, right. This is this is the opposite of what we saw before. He says it's permitted, but actually, like, this isn't a good idea. That's basically what he's saying here. So yes, for like, I have to keep a monitor on my heart and know for like, I'm curious how many hours I sleep at night and how well I sleep. 
Um, but then he says, and then he says, for sure, nothing that gives you any kind of feedback. Um, but he does give you an out. This is the fascinating part. If your Fitbit shows you the time, always. You don't have to do anything to get your Fitbit to show you the time. You don't have to touch it. You don't have to anything. Um, and you don't have to, and, and you don't engage, it's not the type of thing that you engage with. So the difference between maybe like a Fitbit with a watch attached versus a smartwatch, like an Apple watch. Um, then he says it's actually okay because you're just wearing a watch and it happens to keep track of your, um, of your walking. And then he also says, if there's any um, like security purpose for it, then for sure you can wear it. Um, and if you're like obviously a security personnel, then um, then maybe, right? The question was a little bit tied up with like security personnel things. So he says also like maybe we can make carve outs for security personnel. And that's again, this like um, needs of the community kind of orientation. But here's where we're starting to see someone really draw a line. And it's actually quite a parallel line to the lists of of communal meals versus private meal lists that actually like for these communal needs that he's imagining or mitzvah needs like health needs then we're going to say yes but for like personal curiosity needs then we're going to say no and like things that it seems like we all do all the time like wear watches on Shabbos if it's really just a watch that happens to like do something in the stratosphere that doesn't affect me on Shabbos then okay because a watch is a watch um, so this, I thought, was like a really fascinating way of kind of tying together all the other kind of things, ways of thinking about this that we've seen um, so far. But also, I hope it gives you a sense that these questions that we saw really stretching through a long period of history are manifesting still today. There's a lot that seems to be left up to like, like up to the person who's writing it. Um, there's so much subjectivity in this area of halakha, but it's also like, pressing almost. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of questions about like test cases of like the difference between health and health that that is probably quite um, interesting to get to. But, um, but, it, but I also want to kind of let people go because we're at time. Um. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming back. Um, is there any more homework for next week? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Yes, homework for next week. Um, pay attention, track what you track. Um, think about your tracking needs on Shabbat. Are you, is there something in your home that's tracking things? Um, or is there a list this Shabbat? I, for one, am hosting a meal this Shabbat comprised largely of people that I don't know and have not met. And so might really need a list of guests. Um, measuring how much it snows on Shabbat, that's really that's that's a good one, um, depending on where you are. Um, we've given up measuring that in Chicago. So yes, come back with your measuring stories um, for our listening and uh, learning pleasure next week. And we hope to see you guys all next week. All right. And thank you everyone for joining us. Um, the next class on Andrisha's schedule is the Sitter Prayer Book and Storybook with Rabbi David Silver meeting tomorrow night at the similar time of 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. And if you would like to switch from learning about the Halachot of Shabbat to learning about prayer, that's an interesting transition. And otherwise, I hope to see you all, or as many as you as possible, next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. In the meantime, have a good night. Don't forget to track what you track. And 
see you around. <laughs>